You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. They even making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, we're available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets just bought a relief pitcher on the trade market, essentially, and I will be discussing that trade in the first segment today. They acquired Trevor Gott and Chris Flexen to only immediately DFA Chris Flexen and his salary uh, in exchange for Zach Muckenhern. So we'll go through uh, why the Mets made that trade and what Gott can bring to this bullpen in the first segment. Then in the second segment, I want to run through a bunch of other trades the Mets could make right now to acquire relievers by absorbing bad salaries to try to fix this bullpen. And then in the final segment, I'll discuss that this strategy is really worth it for this team. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as a managing editor. The New York Mets made another trade that no other team in baseball would, because no other team in baseball is spending money like Steve Cohen. He has gotten blatant with the way that he wants to throw that, that money around, take that pocketbook, and try to buy away his problems. First, it was absorbing the salary of Eduardo Escobar to get some prospects in return. Now it's the other way. He's just buying players. That's essentially what this trade was on Monday. The Mets got Trevor Gott for $4.5 million. Okay? Gott was owed five hundred dollars for the remainder of the season. Uh, and then you got Chris Flexen, who's in this deal, who was DFA'd by the Mariners. So, you know, he's sitting on waivers. Flexen is. And Billy Epler, ever the opportunist, I guess, calls up Seattle and says, hey, can we take that bill off your hands? You're about to pay Chris Flexen $4 million to get him off your baseball team. Why don't you tell your owner, we're going to take that off your hands. We'll pay that for you. We just want Trevor Gott in return. And Jerry DePoto says, oh, I like that. How about we get Zach Muckenhern? And the Mets are like, all right, fine. Done deal. Because Zach Muckenhern's a guy that just came to your team this year. Yes, he pitched you a sub-1 ERA in AAA, but we've seen him with the big league club. It hasn't worked well. There's every chance that he would have ended up off the 40-man roster at some point anyway. It's not an arm that you're going to lose sleep over. Now, because he's going to Seattle, hey, there's every chance that they turn him into a real pitcher over the next couple of years. But there's also a very you know, slim chance that would have happened with the Mets. It's not like you're crying over Zach Muckinher. So what you did here is you got Trevor Gott for $4.5 million. Okay? that That's essentially what happened here. And you're wondering, all right, what's Trevor Gott mean to the Mets? He's got an ERA over four. How good could he possibly be? Well, Trevor Gott's stats through May are pretty eye-popping. A 175 ERA, his FIP fielding independent pitching was 1.88, which essentially tells you that that ERA should hold up, right? Or should have held up. He's got a 10.52 strikeout per nine. This is through May again. So more than a strikeout per inning. His walks per nine is 2.10. That's not bad. He did not allow a home run through May. So really good numbers. June 4th. He has back spasms. Well, he gives up five runs, then goes on the IL for back spasms. 
He's out for a couple of weeks, comes back June 27th. His two appearances since coming off the aisle, he has given up runs. And that has inflated his ERA from the 1.75, those three outings all the way up to over four now. So the Mets are banking on us that could possibly get that guy pre-injury. When you look at the hierarchy of their bullpen right now, you got David Robertson, Brooks Raley, pretty much nothing else that you really trust. Adam Onovino, obviously the Mets are going to run him out there in leverage situations, but he hasn't performed this year. The same, same thing about Drew Smith. So when you're looking at this bullpen, unless you're really buying the Grant Hartwig hype, worst case, got immediately slides to that fifth spot in the pen. And there's every chance you could outperform a Drew Smith, even Adam Adovino, quite honestly, if he gets back to what he was earlier this season. It's not to say this is the guy that's going to solve your late innings, but he's a middle reliever. And the Mets have been running out Dominic Leone and Jeff Brigham, and it has not been working out for them. So this gives Buckshaw Walter another arm that he can go to that could potentially give you some quality relief. And if money doesn't matter, which it doesn't for the Mets, why not? That's basically where you're at. It's a situation where you're able to make a trade for strictly cash. And so Steve Cohen says, why not? If there's any possibility that Trevor Gott comes in and he's the guy that pitched to the 175 ERA earlier this season over some pretty good volume, why not? If he comes in and pitches to a four ERA, which is what his season total is for the remainder of the year, if he just does that, that's even a boost to this Mets bullpen. So. Again, when money doesn't matter, it's a no-brainer for the Mets to make this trade because, again, you are, are at a position right now at this bullpen that has been so bad that it can't get any worse, right? And Zach Muckenhorn wasn't the answer. So I like this trade because there's no downside, really. And you have him under control for next year if you want him to. So Trevor got could be a piece for the Mets for the next two seasons. Or he doesn't pitch well, and he has the same fate that Zach Muckenhern might have had in a couple of weeks or months, the way the season could have gone. So it was a prudent decision for only one franchise in baseball, and that's the Mets. And you have to give Steve Cohen credit for at least that. And moving forward, is this a team that can continue to buy bullpen pieces? Are there other bad salaries the Mets can absorb to get good arms? That's what I'm going to discuss next. I pulled a lot of potential trades that this team could make. We're going to go through them all in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20 and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit that first home run all on an app. That's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New York Mets put the Arizona Diamondbacks at 410 Eastern time today. 
Catch every pitch to the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. I should, before we get into some of these other trades, discuss Chris Flexen because he is a former Met that comes back to them for half a minute here. Uh, Mets drafted him in the 14th round in 2012. Pitched parts of three seasons for the Mets beginning in 2017. Had an ERA over eight across 68 innings pitched. Went to the KBO. Came back with the Mariners in 2021. Pitched to a 3-6-1 ERA over nearly 180 innings pitched. Then pitched to a 3-7-3 ERA last year over 137 and two-third innings pitched. Before this season, it all fell apart for him. He pitched to an ERA close to eight in 42 innings, and they decided to DFA him. The Mets have a couple of options. They already DFA'd him. They can now shop him as, hey, we're going to eat his salary. Who wants Chris Flexen? Who wants to take a flyer on him? And maybe you get a Zach Muckenhern-type arm back, and it becomes completely nothing when it comes to the prospect side of things. Most likely, he passes through waivers. The Mets eat the salary. Flexen becomes a free agent, and who knows? Maybe it's time to a minor league deal, get him back into your system um, to pitch in AAA as a starter and give you some depth there. Regardless, he wasn't a big part of the deal. That's why I didn't mention him in the first segment much. Now, going to all of the different trade options that I have pulled here. These are interesting because these are bad trades for every team in baseball with the Mets. It's taking on albatross contracts to buy relievers because your bullpen's been terrible. Here's the most interesting reliever the Mets could acquire from my vantage point. St. Louis Cardinals have not been good this year. Jordan Hicks can be a free agent after this season. Jordan Hicks throws over 100. We watched what Jordan Hicks could do to the Mets this year where he blew them away. The overall stats might not completely jump out when you look at Jordan Hicks and his ERA and everything else, but he's the type of guy that you think, wow, closer potential with Jordan Hicks. So could the Mets acquire an expiring reliever from a team that is going nowhere? A guy that's pitching to a 3.93 ERA, but his expected ERA is 3.32, which is identical to his 3.32 FIP. And he's striking out 13.63 batters per nine strikeout percentage of 33 and a half. That's very, very good. So how can you acquire Jordan Hicks? You take on, Old friend Steven Matt's salary. Matt's is owed $10 million this season and $12 million in each of the next two years beyond that. Remember when Steve Cohen was pissed that he thought that Matt's was coming back to the Mets and he spurned him for the Cardinals? Well, it has been great for the Mets to not have Matt's money on the books because he has not been a good pitcher over with the Cardinals. That is a contract they would love to get off the books. So much so that I even wonder, could you get something else in the deal also? Could you swing a two-for-one and get Giovanni Gallegos, too? I, I don't know. Um, a three-for-one. But you look at what Matt's has done with the Cardinals. 5-2-5 ERA, 48 innings last year. This year, 4-9-2 ERA in 64 innings. Then you have to deal with the problem of, do you just simply outright DFA Steven Matz? I don't think so. It's a complicated deal uh, for Steven there because that's a lot of money. Moving forward, I don't know how much you you really want to swallow that for a rental reliever in a season when you probably aren't going anywhere. But if the Mets stay in the mix by the deadline, and this is a way to get that you know, final piece of a bullpen, maybe you do it. But I think that's a trade you can't make right now. You'd have to make it with the knowledge of being a little bit more in the race. Here's one you could make now. If the Chicago White Sox just want to get money off their books, and they don't think they're going to get too much for Joe Kelly at the deadline, 
You can acquire him. He's on a $9 million deal, $1 million buyout on a $9.5 million club option for next season. So you would figure he's probably owed $5.5 million remaining from the White Sox. If you absorb that, maybe you can get him without giving up much of anything. Experienced reliever. This isn't his best season, 4-3-3 ERA, but you look at his expected ERA, the 2.65. His FIP, fielding independent pitching, 2.77. His ex-FIP at 2.99. So all of the metrics tell you that his performance should be better than that 4.33 ERA, and he's striking out 11.67 batters per nine. He still has really good stuff. I would like that option a lot. The Mets could get Joe Kelly, honestly, because again, you're not absorbing any additional player attached to a salary. The Mets just did it where they were able to DFA flex in immediately, but that's not always going to be the way you can manage your 40-man roster, your active roster. It gets more complicated for some of these other deals, and we'll get to one that's really complicated with the Royals in just a minute. First, though, the Detroit Tigers have one where it is all expiring money, so that's good. Jonathan Scope, one year, $7.5 million this season. That was his entire deal. So you figure about half of that. He's played 52 games this season, hitting 209, 275 on base, 264 slug. Jonathan Scope, is he a guy that you would consider just eating the contract and getting rid of him? Because what's he going to do for you, right? I, I don't see any reason why you would acquire Jonathan Scope and actually play him. So you acquire, I mean, unless you just say, you know, what, what's uh, a Danny Mendick doing for us anyway? And you just want to put him on the roster and see. But the bigger deal in this is you're absorbing that contract to get Jose Cisnero. Now, there's other relievers that you could get. You could shoot a little bit higher for the Tigers. But this is, again, minimizing your prospect capital. So if you said, hey, I want Alex Lang, your closer, it, it's going to cost something to get him. And, and that's a piece that if they're going to trade, they probably want a bigger prospect return at the deadline. Getting Cisnero with scope might not cost you anything. Cisnero is going to be a free agent out this year. He's making $2.3 million about. So altogether, when you look at the money from the start of the season, very close to $10 million. So you imagine about five-ish left that the Tigers could just save. And Cisnero is pitching great this year. 2.18 ERA, 9.82 strikeouts per nine. To me, that'd be a no-brainer too, because again, I, I'd probably just DFA scope, but you get Cisnero for money. Here's the one that I think you'd have to think a little bit hard about. I'll give you the good part first. Acquire Scott Barlow from the Royals, a guy that's got closer experience over the last three years. Career 3.20 ERA, 10.89 strikeouts per nine. This year's stats haven't been as good, 4.06 ERA, but the 3.32 expected ERA, 3.22 FIP, and the 3.04 XFIP tell a better story. His strikeout per nine this year is at 12.48, so clearly still has the stuff there. Saved 40 games over the last two seasons, pitched to a sub-2.5 ERA in each of those campaigns, has 10 saves this year. I'd be all in on Scott Barlow. I really would. Uh, here's where this one gets complicated. Jordan Lyles, two years, $17 million, the deal that he signed this offseason. Career 5.20 ERA. This year it's at 6.68. You'd be eating that contract and potentially doing the flexing, but there'd be money on it next year. So that that's more of a poison pill that hurts. At the same time, Scott Barlow under control for next year as well. 
So what you'd basically have to tell yourself in this scenario is you're going to pay okay, right now. Barlow's at 5.3 million. Um, what's that jump going to be next year? Let me look at Scott Barlow's jump in ARB one to ARB two to see if I can kind of predict what it would be for, for ARB three, but you'd essentially be buying Scott Barlow for, you know, the remaining money owed to Lyles this year, and next year. So eight and a half million next year, you basically be saying, uh, let's see last year he made 2.4. So he had close to a 3 million. So maybe he gets up to 8 million next year. Barlow does an arbitration. So suddenly Scott Barlow is like a 16 and a half million dollar pitcher for you next year. Assuming you just cut Lyles. It all comes down to money, not mattering though. If money doesn't matter, if it's no object, if Steve Cohen is committed to spending an absurd amount of money and losing an absurd amount of money over the next two years, well, you can get a guy in Scott Barlow who's got closer experience for nothing. Because, and now granted, look, I, I say that if the Royals would make this trade. To me, I think a small market team that's looking at some really bad money in Lyles would consider it. They also have a piece in Barlow that they could flip at the deadline and get a prospect return. And maybe that prospect return is more valuable to the Royals than the whatever it is. It's call it you know, $13 million or just shy of that, that the Mets would be absorbing. But it's interesting. The last contract to discuss here. Uh, and I don't even really want to talk about the players that would be attached. It's the Patrick Corbin deal. That one was floated by Andy Martino at one part, and I just don't see it. Uh, $34 million next season, even more than I think it's 34.2. What relievers can you possibly acquire from the Nationals that make it worth taking on that money? Who's a $34 million reliever? It, it, I don't see that one happening. Uh, as much as you might love Trevor Williams to have him back in, in that swing man role, or as much as you might want Trevor Williams and Carl Edwards or Trevor Williams and Hunter Harvey, none of it makes sense. So Corbin one, I'm not buying. Uh, the two that to me are the most intriguing would be acquiring either Jordan Hicks or Scott Barlow. Um, but those are also the contracts that I think I least want the Mets to have on their books. So it simply comes down to how much does the money not matter. Now, I think the best deals are probably the two I had in the middle there where it's either acquiring Joe Kelly, uh, with which is, again, $9 million, $1 million buyout and option next season, just him, just eating his his salary alone, or the scopes this narrow trade where you know, two expiring deals. So it's just money on the books this year. How sustainable is it, though, for the Mets to do this? Is this really what this season should become? Just taking the worst team that money could buy up to this point and doubling and tripling down on that financial commitment and adding salary over salary over salary. That's what we're going to discuss next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets put the Arizona Diamondbacks 410 Eastern time. Today, catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. 
Right now, if you look at the Mets books, they're paying Robinson Cano $20.25 million, James McCann $11 million, Eduardo Escobar $9.1 million, Chris Flexen $4 million, Darren Ruff $3.3 million, Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million, Tommy Hunter $686K, Brett Saberhagen $250K. Total of all that is $49.8 million of dead money on the books. So $50 million. That is more than some teams' payrolls. Look at the absolute bottom barrel teams. Doesn't matter, though. If Steve Cohen doesn't care, why should you? That's what I would say. If he doesn't care, why should you? Now, if you look at long-term deals, the Steven Matz deal, right? If you were to make that deal with the Cardinals and take Matz on. Well, now the question just becomes, all right, is Matz on the roster for the next two seasons? If the answer is you trade them to DFA them, it's ridiculous to just absorb that much money. And it also doesn't affect the fan any. Steven Matz is forced in the back of the bullpen and he's not pitching well. Well, then you might question it. It's just that the risk reward is all skewed because Steve Cohen doesn't care how much of a loss he's playing at this season in particular. And so it's finding that balance. And I think what they just did and the trades I outlined today are the type of moves that they can make that might move the needle. And it's good to make them early. Now the Jordan Hicks one, the Scott Barlow one, those are a little more dicey because of the the money that's owed beyond this season. But for those, those other two trades I talked about, the one with the White Sox to get Joe Kelly or the one where you absorb scope to get Cisnero. It's all expiring money. So it's simply you're calling owners and say, hey, your team's going nowhere. Let me ease that burden. Let, let me save you millions of dollars. Just buy some of your players. I'm not going to have to give you anything in return of, of great value when it comes to prospects. It's a way to get better in the short term and make a run at it. So in that sense, okay, I, I, I see what the Mets are doing. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it, of course. Why wouldn't you be as a fan? It's how crazy do the Mets get where you have to wonder. I've had this idea that I've mentioned on this show before, and I wanted to do a podcast about it. I was actually writing an article for Just Baseball about it, and then it just felt too crazy and too out of hand for a team that's going nowhere to even – broached the subject, but it was the getting Eduardo Rodriguez for acquiring Javi Baez's salary trade. That's one where you think, man, that's going to tie you up for years, right? To me, it's eats relative short-term money that fits this window. The win- the window of spending. If the Mets aren't trading Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander this year, which is another topic of conversation we're going to get to soon here, uh, on the podcast in the coming days or weeks. If those guys are sticking around, you have a two-year window where your payroll is just bloated in, in, in a way that it almost doesn't matter anyway what you spend because it's it's going to be ridiculous. Paying $86 million, actually more than that, for two pitchers this year and next year. And then Verlander's got a vesting option. So in that scenario right now is that window to spend absurdly. So 
honestly, the Scott Barlow deal kind of the more I play with it in my head, the more I like it. If you tell me that you're just eating Jordan Miles, who cares? Eat that salary or make him a long man in your bullpen. Whatever. It does not matter. And you're getting a really promising pitcher with some closing experience for an extra year so he fits into your window this year and next year. That's a lot better than an expiring Jordan Hicks with, with Stephen Matz. So we'll see if the Mets make any of these trades. But it's certainly interesting to see them operate in a way that no other team does. It feels like basketball trades uh, you know, where teams take on salary, where you see a rebuilding team that's that's trying to go in the lottery that takes on money for assets. The Mets are in that weird boat where they're either absorbing money when they send out players to get better assets or they are taking on a bunch of salary to get the assets. And it's fascinating. And it's going to lead us to a month of excitement covering this team with the Mets and following this team. Regardless of what happens on the field, they are going to be fascinating to observe over the next month. So make sure for all you everydayers that you are tuning in to catch all of the action here with Locked On Mets. Uh, make sure wherever you get your podcast, you're subscribing on YouTube as well. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast against the Arizona Diamondbacks today? You can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.